Once again, it's time for the program that emanates to you from two separate corners of Gitmo Nation. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon. It's time once again for No Agenda in the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in northern Silicon Valley, a place that doesn't exist, also known as Gitmo Nation West. Yes, I'm Gitmo, Gitmo Nation East, you're Gitmo Nation West, which is our new mantra. Yeah, and it makes nothing but sense. In fact, all my Twitter uh, 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 followers have all agreed it's not not a bad term and uh, probably a propos. Right. This is the this is the word that we've been looking for for um, the fascist state. Instead of using fascism, we're just going to use Gitmo Nation. Yeah. Mm. Or nouveau fascism. Or <laughs> no, Gitmo statism. Nation. It's Gitmo Nation. Let's keep it at that. I love it. Anyway, so what's going on? You, oh, you came into the U.S. and then you left again. Yes. Um, that means you get got to, you get to give us another one of your uh, fabulous tales from the TSA. <laughs> yes, I do. So uh, we we need a like a bumper for that. Uh, yeah, like a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, folks out there. Oh wait, actually, before uh, before I tell you that, listen to this. This is kind of funny. Hey, John. Hey, Adam. This is Mark up here in the creek, and uh, just got to finish listening to episode forty-two of No Agenda, and I just loved it. They're getting better and better. Every time I think it can't get any better, something happens. And in this case, along comes conspiracy theory, Adam. But now we have the prospect of listening to Dvorak playing Scully to Adam's Mulder. And it's just tremendously funny. The last episode cracked me up. So keep up the good work, guys. And remember, John, even the reptilians, they work for us. <laughs> How much do you love that? Yeah, unfortunately, the people out there don't realize how close that is to reality. <laughs> it, is, it is completely true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, coming into the States, uh, this was a week ago on Sunday. Yeah, because I'm now back in the U.K. I just got in a couple hours ago. Um, coming in, uh, hand off the passport. Uh, I did not, uh, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd said on the Daily Source Code, maybe I should disable my RFID chip and see what happens. And uh, people strongly advised against that. Uh, Why? Because it's a it's a a crime. Oh, you're not allowed to destroy any part of your passport. Uh, although I do know how to do it, I do know the best ways. Obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, so I didn't do that. So up, it went into the RFID scanner. Bloop, the screen comes up. I look at the agent, female agent, and she's tapping away. And I said, you know, you might just want to call the team leader, or shall I just uh, go straight? Now, 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 now I got an attitude, right? Shall I just go straight on to secondary? I know where the little room is. Um, hold on a second. I can't actually do this from here, is what she said. So she picks up the phone, calls, another agent comes over, uh, male agent, and they're both looking at the screen, and, uh, they mark an M on my landing card, and I said, do I have to go to secondary? No, you can just go through to, uh, to the regular secondary, which would normally be my tertiary screening. Um, so that was, uh, oh. so, Sorry. So I'm sorry. So the process is there's actually two secondaries, and one of them you were going through two different secondaries before, and now you only had to go to one. Yeah. Well, when you enter the United States, you always go through customs, then you pick up your bag, and then you have to actually leave, and that's really the checkpoint, right? That's where they have all those uh, counters, and they pick people out, and they go through their bags and see if they have dairy products or or other contraband. So that's normally. Uh, Kind of a secondary for everybody. That's really where the, you know, whatever, whatever at that point has been marked on your landing card, if there's any action that needs to be taken appropriately or they can just fish you out, right? Okay. 
Um, but there's a, there is an actual secondary, which is a little room all the way off to the left in the corner, which is kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, a waiting room at the, um, at your high school infirmary. You know what I mean? Where you, you got like, yeah, the nurse, yeah, the nurse kind of like folding chairs and there's a little, uh, a little square there and a couple agents sit there and they're going through shit and you just sit there and you feel like a, a horrible person. So I didn't have to go through that. Uh, but of course I had a, I had a marking on my, on my, uh, uh, on my landing card. So I showed it to the agent and I, you know, and the agent picked up the little blue pouch. I know the whole drill and I walked straight on and, uh, and this, uh, this agent was really nice, you know, and he's like, yeah, well, and, and John, you know, then they know me by now. They know the story. They know me. And, uh, so I just asked him, I'm just asking him shit, you know, point blank. I'm saying, what's the M for? Is that for like money? Which <laughs> is my favorite. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. I said, well, what is it? Uh, master? Uh, you know, I said, oh, no, it stands for match. Ah, okay, this is the Adam Curry from Nebraska I've been hearing about. And now he's smiling, right, because he's looking at the terminal. He says, uh, yeah. And so he's actually letting a little bit more through than I think he probably should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, look, you know, uh, can't you guys, like, just take me off the list? He says, well, here's the problem. The problem is, uh, this other Adam Curry is on the watch, you know, on our list to, to, you know, if he tries to enter through this port. Uh, and I guess he's, I don't know if he's in Nebraska or not. Um, so if we take Adam, all Adam Curry's off, then we'll never, you know, have a match. But yeah, you know, it's a different birth date. You know, apparently their systems just aren't sophisticated enough or they don't want to take any risk that there could be a different birth date used and some kind of, you know, like the evil Adam could kill me and then uh, use my passport. Um, <laughs> evil yeah. Adam. So I said, well, you know, why don't you just arrest this guy already? We know he's in Nebraska. You know, we know he has my name. We know that he's younger than I am. Arrest the guy already. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, the, um, the agency that's interested in him, um, doesn't actually want to arrest him. They, they, I said, oh, so they're watching him. They want to see what he does. And he says, yeah, something like that. So there you go. Well, I guess that's never going to end then. <laughs> not until they grab this guy. And what the hell is he doing? He's probably not doing anything. Yeah. We should start. Why don't we do? Uh, Let's here's find an idea. him. Let's just find him. Let's talk. Let's to the find guy. him and find out who he is. Yeah. Maybe he's just some schmuck. Well, I heard there that, that that he was driving a uh, a red pickup truck uh, in Nebraska. Yeah. That that was the latest report I had. But I, I agree. I think we should crank this up a little bit because uh, it's just too interesting. Let's find out what he's done. I mean, are they going to let this guy float around forever? I mean, if they're interested in him, they, how many years is this going to go on before they either pick him up or what are they waiting for him to do? Punch somebody? No, I mean, I'm not getting this. I don't know. Well, they're, clearly they're waiting him to for him to commit some kind of felony. They're uh, They're snooping on him, I guess. What did he do before that he'd be on this list in the first place? Well, that, that, is he a protester? Is he like a guy in the world's workers party? I don't know. I really uh, my don't curiosity is getting the best of me. <laughs> All right, we we need our uh, we need our audience to help us with that one. If you're in Nebraska, look for this guy. Now, are we sure he was in Nebraska or was it North Dakota? No, I'm pretty sure it was Nebraska. Who in Nebraska is going to be? Uh, Whatever <laughs> it does, it does of course uncover an inherent flaw in the system, you know. So, and Adam Curry is not a very common name, although there was a there's a well-known basketball player named Adam Curry. There was some 17 year old kid who died of leukemia recently named Adam Curry. I know that because you know that shit shows up in my personal ego filter. 
but you know almost any name you can think of you know is going to have a whole bunch of people who have the same name and that just yeah. inherently exposes the whole problem is like you know okay they can't take the one name off because you know they're not mashing on anything else but the name first name last name yeah, so that means the guy, if he wants to sneak out of the country, all he has to do is get, you know, go down to Los Angeles, get a phony passport where they sell him on the streets, change his name to Fred Schmuck, and then walk through customs. <laughs> yeah. Or he can just walk across the border in Canada or whatever with his driver's license. I don't know. Yeah, speaking of Canada, do you know that we signed uh, an agreement with Canada, uh, an, uh, an arms, not an arms, uh, a military agreement? What, what does it say? I'm going to look at this right now. This was in the Times uh, over here. Um, ah, shit, that's not it. Uh, let me just find it. Well, where the hell is it now? I'd say, you know, I'd done all this prep work. There you go. It shows me right for trying to prep something. Um, no, apparently in February, some kind of um, agreement was signed between the U.S. and Canada that should we uh, have any, you know, any problems that will help each other out. Kind of like a NATO type deal, I guess. That our, uh, our armed forces would then, uh, fight with, uh, with each other. They're calling it. Uh, the, maybe that's just for military, you know, if they it, have martial law. <laughs> Only if that happens. <laughs> and we need some extra troops. Exactly. I just thought it was interesting. You didn't hear about that anywhere. We don't hear about anything. Let's face it. In fact, uh, it took a while before the uh, that Russia. By the way, we were remiss last week not to discuss the Georgia. Yeah, yeah, that was really dumb. That was really stupid of us not to miss that. You know, actually, I, I. You want to talk about that? You want to talk about that now, or you want to talk about Clinton? Because Clinton's kind of high on my list. Let's talk about the other thing first, because the Clinton thing is, you know, uh, okay. It's it, that's too nutty to start to show off with. We'll lose too many people. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I guess uh, when we're talking about Georgia, and I have found a couple really cool other cool things to look at and to read. Um, well, the, I've been listening to the right wing talk radio shows, and it started off as you know, Russia's the bad guy. Russia's the bad guy. That's the litany. That's what the talking points are. You know, they came in. They're trying to assert themselves. They're trying to, you know, make sure that none of these countries that used to be allied with them or or part of the Soviet Union are going to join NATO. And this is all blaming Russia. And then I noticed about halfway through the week, the the the, the tone was softened, as if we're going to uh, start to change our tune officially. Hmm. And, um, and of course, if you follow it, it seems, in fact, I had a really good post on the blog. You have to go back a ways, but it's ask, it's called the look up search for reader challenge. And there's a bunch of people that chimed in about the, the, the timeline about what really happened here. And it, it's really Georgia, uh, that is the aggressor trying to shut down the, uh, Ossetians in that whole area. Uh, from because they they wanted to become their own country. Now, what anyway? So well, you've that, gone wait a minute, wait, that, that's not that's not entirely true. I mean, they're already their own country, um, but, but uh, well, officially they're part of Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry, you mean Ossetia? Okay, I'm sorry, I yeah. I, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in fact, they were just given uh, a lot of the Ossetians were given uh, Russian passports in the past month or so. 
Yeah, well, here's the story I got from a friend. Uh, my daughter's friend is a Russian, and her mom's a Georgian. Mm-hmm. So I went over there, and I decided to, to you know, do some interrogation. I asked her. Yeah. yeah, I interrogated her. Here's what she said. You By water, the way, that Russian passport the thing that they've been getting. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Exactly. So that Russian passport thing for a couple of weeks or whatever it says, bogus. They've been oh. they've had Russian passports for two years. Okay, good. Or longer. Hmm. And she gave me the rundown on this. She says that. That the the whole Georgian border thing was set up by Stalin originally. She takes the whole story back to the forties. Wow. Okay. And she says this one group this this was never felt that they're part of Georgia. They were always uh, felt more connected to Russia. And somewhere along the line, they uh, made a lot of noise about being either independent or joining Russia and having the borders wrap around them rather than being in, in Georgia. And this is this that area, the Ossetia. And there's actually two. Or, there's not just Ossetia. There's another one that I can't barely pronounce, which yeah. is the one she kept referring to. And she said the Russians uh, long ago decided that they will support this break-off group, uh, the splinter group or whatever they want to call it. Uh, they did give them passports. They all have Russian passports. Most of them speak Russian. And they said that Russia said they would support them if they want to become part of Russia or if they want to become their own standalone country. But but there's some indication that Russia might not support them being fully incorporated into Georgia. Now, the couple of things that came out, one of them is the the oil runs through that area. But she mentioned something that's never been brought up in the press, which is this one area. And the reason the Russians like or want the area to be part or they want to be tight with them. It's the number. It essentially produces all the citrus fruits for everybody. The citrus fruits, you said? Yeah, the huh. or- oranges and lemons and everything that's got vitamin C and it comes from this area. Um, and it, I guess it feeds the whole of Russia and every place else. It's like this huge, it's the, you know, Florida of, uh, of the ex-Soviet Union. So I never heard that before. Uh, and there's also that, you know, port, which the Russians want to get a hold of. And... Uh, she said there's a couple of things. One is that the the president of Georgia has this spiel that he gives about how they've ended all corruption. Yeah. She's got she knows lots of people that would say that's bogus. It's a it's just a public relations stunt. There's plenty of corruption. Well, it, 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 you know, the um, Sakashvili is also you know credited and uh, credits himself with bringing. Um, you know, new uh, economic uh, growth and wealth, which, of course, is all fed in by the U.S. Right. It's our money. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so the, well, you talked about this uh, during the week, which is that in Holland, they uh, follow the Sakavili guy closely. And you might want to explain why. Um, because he is married to Sandra Rulofs, who um, is a, a Dutch girl. And, uh, and there's, and it's, it goes a little bit further. Um, uh, an RTL news cameraman was killed. A Dutch cameraman was killed, uh, during one of the shellings. And, uh, so, you know, that, that's been kind of the, the front, you know, the front pages of the news, of course. And, um, the, uh, so, uh, the Sandra Rulofs has announced that she's going to be attending his funeral and wake, 
um, which I, from what I've read, the family has re- uh, responded to with mixed feelings. Hell yeah. I mean, what a what a political move, regardless of whether she's Dutch or whether she cares. Uh, you know, that's yeah, now the huge... shellings, the shellings, which he was, the, apparently this guy was killed by the Georgian shelling. That I don't know. Well, there seems to be a lot of evidence that most of the people killed in that area were killed by Georgians, not by Russians. But anyway, well, so well, they the, followed the, this guy very carefully in... Um, in Holland, and so then you pointed out to me some of the stories running over there that nobody in the other Western media is picking up, especially the part of this guy being some sort of a sex weirdo. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things. So the first one, actually, I'm going to Skype you a link right now, which you have to watch. You can just turn the sound off. It's from the BBC. I just want you to watch for two things. This is uh, Saakashvili, and he's you know there's a little bit of. Actually, some good uh, combat footage, which I haven't seen anywhere in this. You, you see actual, you know, like rockets, and not not just a couple of them. But at a certain yeah, the point, he, if I turn it down, well, I can turn it down. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you see him sitting behind his desk. He's on the phone, and the guy is eating his tie. Okay, he's literally eating it. And to the right, you'll see. Actually, he's sitting in between two flags. One is what I presume is the Georgian flag, and to the right of him is the flag of the European Union. And, you know, guess what? Uh, Georgia is not in the European Union. They're not hmm. NATO either, but just look at this guy. And then there's... Oh, yeah, know, I see him eating his tie. Eating That's his weird. Tie. I, mean, I have that, to blog this. And then there's... Well, that, actually, people out there who don't want to deal with my blog, they can go to <laughs> Asaska Vili Eats His Tie. Yeah, on the YouTube. Name of the clip. Yeah, on YouTube. And, and there's a couple more clips of him. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the footage when he's outside, and then all of a sudden the plane comes comes overhead, and he goes running and like starts crying like a little baby, and they're covering him up and you know, with all kinds of flak jackets. And, the, and just look at the guy's demeanor. Just look at him, and you're like, mm, very suspect. And so, indeed, one of the stories that I picked up on from the Dutch alternative press is apparently this Sakasvili, which makes total sense, you know, if he's a, a tool of uh, of the Bush-Cheney clan, that, you know, he's a uh, a sex maniac and just, you know, insatiable appetite for sex. Um, they've actually confronted his wife because she was in Holland for like six months, and they said, you know, well, is it true that your husband's a sex maniac, which is kind of the... Most straightforward way forward way. This is the Dutch press. The Dutch Dutch, press did this, right? Yeah, alternative press. Um, And she said, "No, no, I'm just no. That's not true. I'm glad you asked me to my face. I'm just here because uh, you know I have another child on the way, and I uh, want the child to be born in uh, in a peaceful uh, surroundings." But uh, that's uh, that is some of the word out there. But just when you look at the guy and you look at his demeanor, and you know he just looks nuts. So I asked uh, the, the so I with that in mind, I asked this woman I was who I was interrogating, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sabina's mom. Um, I said uh, she used to be a I think a swimmer for the Russians or something. Ah, she defected. Aha, uh-huh, one of those. Okay. Well, not a def- I think they let him leave or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I, I mentioned the sex thing to her, and she said, "Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me." Yeah. Well, but it, so it wasn't even. It wasn't even like a. It, was it wasn't just like a, a big. It was like a big. Back. Yeah, it wasn't like a big revelation. Yeah, and I, you know, um, do you ever read uh, Pravda, the English version of Pravda? Not often. Uh, you you might in these days because they got some really good art. The, the article you might like is is Condoleezza Rice stupid? <laughs> 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 it's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> 
it, it really it really shows you uh, how they're thinking. Well, you know, she's there. supposed to be. That's the joke of this whole event. She's supposed to be the big Russian expert. Oh yeah, here it, it even says something about that. Here, uh, is Con so every paragraph starts with "Is Condoleezza Rice stupid?" Uh, here's another one. She claims to be a Russian expert, but her command of the language was recently exposed as being basic slash elementary level on a Russian radio program. Just as her grasp of what is going on in Russia today seems beneath the informed blogger level. <laughs> That's in the Pravda. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it, well, Pravda's become, it's not like a state institution anymore. It's become almost like a, uh, like the National Enquirer kind of thing. They have a lot of really funny stories. And, you know, ever since I've been talking about this, I've been talking about it on the Daily Source Code as well. You know, basically, you know, the point being, look, Georgia started with they had 3000 U.S. security consultants uh, on the ground before this happened, which, of course, is another word for mercenaries. Um, you know, there are Georgians in U.S. combat fatigues. You know, it, it, all of this report is it, it's all in the news um, and and there is some good reporting, but as usual, you know, the real overtones is just completely dominated by the talking points, which is, you know, Russia back off, Russia the aggressor. And that's being, you know, fed by Bush and uh, McCain, um, you know, just the, the just, even just the way the media is writing the story. And that's well, even funnier with Obama, because he initially seems to have found the right uh, explanation and then because it was so, you know, the, the the blame Russia thing was pounded so hard in the press that Obama switched. Right. It seems to have gone to the other side. Now, if he has to switch back, he's going to talk about it, you know, a flip flopper. I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. He doesn't know why. I mean, he just I don't know why he just can't, can't hold well, his ground. I well, think of course, he's his, got his, consultants. his masters are telling him to do that. Apparently. So anyway, so the story seems to be that. uh we're not getting the story. That's the way I could. Well, that, that's what I, I that's could. what I think is the most interesting at this point is, OK, here we have. And, I'm you know, if you haven't, I'm sure, you know, you can just please go to Dvorak dot org slash blog uh, and take a look at uh, this 12 uh, year old kid and her mom who were on Fox News. Yeah, and, that was hilarious. You know, and um, it, what just amazes me is to see how it actually works, you know, to see how. We, we do know the actual truth. And at the end of the day, Russian, no, no real nice guys, right? I mean, they, all, all, you know, the Russians, the Chinese, the Americans, we're all, they're all thugs. They're all thugs running, running, the, running the show. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anyone's, you know, good. Um, but in this case, we clearly know what happened. We clearly know it was, uh, U.S. and, uh, Israeli backed aggression from Georgia. First blood, first fire, whatever. And that's being completely turned around, and Russia's being made to look like they started it all. And it's just yeah. amazing to me to watch that actually happen and and see it. You know, it, it's it's already cemented. You know, it's it's already that it's what happened. It's what it'll go down in history. Yeah, it's a meme. So it reminds me of the you know if you if you if you uh, poll the American public. Today, after all these years, you will still get the fact that, you know, uh, Iraq are the ones who brought down the trade towers, you know, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. So uh, it's a hopeless situation. I mean, the Russians, for the propaganda artists that they once were, I suppose, uh, I think they uh, they don't do a very good job of... Uh, Manipulating of, of the media, yeah, manipulating the media. <laughs> no, they're, they're horrible, but they don't own it. That's the problem. If you own it, it's a lot easier. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, just just look at Fox News, man. It's fantastic. It's fantastic to see when the minute something happens that isn't, you can almost hear someone in the control room go, pull the plug, pull the plug. <laughs> well, they really blew it with that mom and her daughter because they couldn't, you know, she, because the daughter, you know, they had obviously had them on some sort of a track to say this and that. And then the daughter just interrupts and says, hey, before we go on, I want to thank Russia <laughs> yeah. for saving my life. <laughs> which, which was scripted. I mean, you could tell that they, that they, you know, it was like, here's what we're going to, here's what we're really going to do when we get on. You know, you could, you could tell that that was set up, but what a great setup. Yeah, no, it was pretty funny. I, I really enjoyed it. And then the Fox guys are all nervous about it. Cracked me up. Yeah. Did, you know, Fox doesn't have to be quite so uptight with, you know, the countervailing opinions about anything. It's just, um, you know, they just, they, they draw attention to themselves with some of this stuff. Yeah. And the, my favorite is uh, Fox and Friends. Have you ever watched that? No. Oh, you really should. That That's where they... Um, they kind of like, um, you know, it's like a, like a morning news show. And, and they sit around, they drink coffee, and they laugh about the news. And the shit that comes out of their faces is just so incredible. Oh, how they dismiss stuff. Well, you know, there was a uh, report. Somebody had worked at, Fo at Fox. I forgot what the story was. I, I'd have to think about it for a minute. But apparently there was some election someplace that... The, the Republicans were losing, and apparently it brought the staff in the whole studio. It, actually, they were c visibly sobbing and crying. What was that for? Well, this is like apparently these, these guys are so caught up in the politics of it all that, um, I mean, the, the, the idea of fair and balance is just a joke. Hey, you know, I keep hearing more and more about... Um... Although I have to say the other side is just as bad. Yeah, that, of course. What's the um, the fairness uh, doctrine? Yeah, the fairness doctrine. Yeah, man, I, that's there's a, I hear that more and more these days. I know it comes back around elections every single time, but I'm just hearing it a lot. Yeah, it's not going to get anywhere. There's just no way at this point. I mean, the Supreme Court would strike it down. I mean, it's ridiculous. The and besides that, you know, but either side can take advantage of the situation as it now exists. It's just it's just an anti-Rush Limbaugh thing is really what it amounts to. Well, they I can't know, take I, I don't it know anymore. If it's that, but you know, I hear it. Um, used more in the context of uh, blogs. Oh yeah, that that's the yeah, that's right. Well, actually, there was I we blogged this. The FCC made it out and out comment that you know if we if the fairness doctrine is reinstalled, uh, it may actually apply to the internet. Oh please! Oh my God. I mean, you could probably go along, but you know what you'd end up with, I think, because of the bloggers being so subversive, generally speaking, mm. you'd end up with boilerplate. So you'd make your comment, whether you're a right-wing blog or a left-wing blog, you'd make your you know, anti-Bush or pro-Bush comment, and yeah. then you'd have a, a, a piece of boilerplate that you'd right, put at the end, which would just, yeah, just give the opposite it. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it would always be exactly the same. We could write a script. It would just be exactly the opposite. Yeah, you'd have, yeah. right, and whatever you said, then you'd have exactly the opposite. And you'd make it sound stupid. I mean, if you have a bunch of things to say that are, you know, well-reasoned, you could do, put in just the opposite and make it sound like a blithering idiot. But it's the opposite. This is, this is not going to go anywhere. Hey, did you, speaking of uh, Canada, did you hear somewhere that, um, where did I hear about this, that uh, some... 
ISP or like big cable network maybe. Oh, um, the uh, the CEO. God, I wish I had this story in front of me. Uh, said that uh, looks like they were gonna you know have like only a, a sanctioned website list that you could go to and be like approved portals that you could then jump off from, but you wouldn't be able to just get to any website anymore. Had you heard about this? No. Hmm. That won't fly. Well, you wouldn't think it would, but it was kind of interesting. It's just one of those things that's floating out there. It's probably done by one of these CEOs who's never been on the web. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see how that could ever happen. So anyway, so let's go back to our uh, our back to our Georgia Russia thing. Yeah. And and take it up a notch okay. because you pointed this out to me. We had dinner the other night, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you pointed out to me while all this was going on. Strangeness oh, was taking place in Africa yeah, that uh, nobody paid any attention to. And, and it's still, I, I even picked up the Financial Times um, uh, at the airport and there was nothing in it. You know, Mauritania, there was a coup in Mauritania, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, a large portion of West Africa. It's almost all of West Africa, actually. Um, and I never, I had never even heard of this before until I came across this little, uh, little blurb. And the reason why it caught my eye is because uh, the coup had actually taken place, but like 10 days ago now, which is almost simultaneous with, uh, with what happened in Georgia. Um, but they, ins- they installed a former, uh, European Union ambassador as either the prime minister or the temporary prime minister. It was a bloodless coup, so they say. Uh, the military took over. But what's interesting about Mauritania is that about 30% of China's oil comes from Mauritania. That's where they import it from. A large portion of their minerals comes from Mauritania. Even, uh, I believe, 20% of the U.S.'s imported oil comes from Mauritania. And well, yet- no, that's not possible. Well, Most of our oil comes from Alberta, Canada. Let me see. Uh, granted, it was a uh, probably a Wikipedia article. I think article. they could probably no. I think what you're reading is that 20 percent of the oil produced by them may go to us, but that doesn't mean that's our. You know, it could be a two percent, one percent spit in the bucket for us. Mm. Well, who knows? I mean, I'm I'm not actually counting that shit. I'm not counting the barrels. I'm, uh, okay, so then of course I can also question. If the thirty percent was all of China's oil, or thirty percent of their oil went to China, um, I think it's the other way. Yeah, so it's not, uh, un- the- it's not unimportant. Let's put it that way. Okay. No, China was linked in there. I was doing some research about this, and I, you, you discovered that most of this action took place just within the last year or so. That and you know the Chinese were doing more and more deals down there. The Chinese, of course, are all over Africa trying to get everything they can out of there and then install like like a lot of their own people. There's something that obviously broke the camel's back here that resulted in this uh, bloodless coup, which took place coincidentally right during the uh, the Georgia Russia Georgia thing, yeah. which makes me wonder how who's in bed with who on these things, including us with the Russians, because you know I don't. It's possible that Putin and Bush actually do like each other, and and they just said let's let's just get rid of this asshole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that, now, that that coked out sex fiend. I'm tired of him. It could be because the, you know the whole thing is a lot of saber rattling. You know the U.S. Oh, this Russians are da 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 da. You know, well, I mean, it's possible that this guy that's running Georgia just got to go. And uh, so let, let me just say two things about Sakashvili. So the the two things that are just really really that just shows some really weird a lot of weirdness there is the European Union flags everywhere. 
although Georgia is not a member of the European Union. That's weird, okay? That's just fucking weird. And this whole George Bush Avenue and that picture you sent me of George Bush waving to you at the airport, I mean... Come yeah, on, the, the that's crazy. In Tbilisi. Yeah, I mean, but there is an actual George Bush Avenue. I yeah, mean, it leads to the airport. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that's possible. But, you know, why, the did, way, they, so why did they have to go kill 2,000 or 3,000 people to, to get rid of this guy is beyond me. Well, here's the other thing that's interesting. You should, um, people, you know, I didn't realize this until I started. I found that photo, by the way, on Flickr. And um, there's a if you go to to look up Tbilisi uh, on Flickr, there is a lot of photos taken from people in uh, this area, and they've posted them on Flickr. There's hundreds and hundreds of them, and that's uh, including the, the some new modernization projects that they have going on that are just spectacular. But I'd recommend looking. I, I started looking at these photos, and I, I'd like to visit this place. It's, it looks like a, f- a photographer's dream come true, which is really photogenic. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. That is pretty amazing, isn't it? Wow. Mix of architecture. Yeah, but, yeah, and then you can go on and on and on and keep clicking away, and you'll see more and more stuff you want to You would just wish you were there taking photos, if you like taking photos. Uh, meanwhile, there's one other thing that happened during this era. Well, there's uh, a couple there's things. Little, <laughs> Well, the other thing that you may have not noticed is that Nigeria seems to be under some sort of guerrilla attack oh, for its oil. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, is it is so? It's still in a guerrilla attack phase. There's there's no one's been in no puppet has been put in place yet. Not yet, no. no. But there's like there's a lot of a lot of action. Well, the other thing and that's I'm ha- thinking, I'm thinking, why do they? <laughs> I'm thinking maybe it's a Nigerian scam, but I could come up with the right joke for this. Yeah, I, I understand where you're going, though. <laughs> Dear George Bush, I would like to send you five billion dollars. <laughs> All I need is your bank account. Um, well, of course, uh, Russia, uh, Russia, the United States installed um, nuclear missiles, or at least made the agreement to install nuclear missiles in Poland. That was the other thing that that you know that really came together nicely. Yeah, in this in the same well, week. Well, that would piss off the Russians. Yeah, of course. So well, you it, know, you don't think it's a coincidence though that they made this announcement, even though they really haven't put any missiles in yet. After it was noted that Russia wants to get closer to Cuba. Well, of course. No, I, I think it actually was the other way around. I heard. That, oh, okay, that could yeah, be. Yeah, no, it was. It, you know, this whole Poland thing has been going on for a while. And uh, and then Rus- uh, the Russian general said, "Well, we might be considering uh, Cuba." And now that well, they're now, in okay, place- let's take it one step further. Perhaps our intelligence agencies discovered that they were going to do something with Cuba, so we preempted uh, possible. the Poland thing. Possible to keep, you know. Okay, let me let me take it to the highest level, and then we got to get off it. Okay, here here comes your your Mulder moment. Um, all what's happening here is we want to get the Russians all riled up. And we want to get the Chinese all riled up. That's why we're messing with them in Africa, because we actually want China to invade Russia. (laughs) Yeah, man, come on. It makes so much sense. We want, you know, it's like you want your minerals. Why don't you go get them in Russia? You want some oil? Go get it in Russia. Get out of (laughs) here. Go make war with Russia because Russia's angry anyway. If you strike on them, they'll they'll fire on you. Think about it. It's not that crazy. Well, you know, it's an interesting comment. I mean, there's always been a fear. I mean, when Nixon uh, opened China up, it was it was there was apparently some 
something going on in Mao's head about the you know fear of Russia. I mean, the Chinese and the Russians are right; they're they're on each other's border. I mean, it's like got to be like a, a, a moment of uh, consideration for that. Of course. Okay, we'll let that of slide. At that one. No, come on, I'm sticking with this one. I think it's. I like I, it. No, they, I like it. They want I mean, China and Russia to get to get all pissed up. Where's Indonesia? Indonesia's got to be a part of this somehow. Well, they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we want Southeast it, Asia. They're down in the, you know, down with Singapore and those guys. Yeah, okay. Hey, dude, have you have you seen the pictures of Bush at the Olympics? This is a an, couple. This, I saw him. I saw him on the TV a couple of times. But uh, I haven't seen any photos. Oh, the ones where he looks drunk. Oh yeah, well yeah. <laughs> we we blogged one of them. Yeah, how about the? But you know, he has a, a big scrape on his on his right forearm, and of course, everyone's no. now saying, "Oop! Did he fall down? Did he?" You know, hurt himself while hammered. I think this is the first time he's ever been to China, or am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. You know, when he was a kid, he never left the country, even though his dad, I, I think I've told this story before, but I might as well tell it again. Uh, he is, um, and I got this on outstanding authority from a friend who was in school with him at Yale. Uh, his dad uh, was ambassador to China. Now, you have to remember, George Bush, we hired, we made this guy president of the United States. The guy has, with the time he was elected president, he had never left the country except possibly to wander into Mexico for a taco. <laughs> and so he never tequila. went to France. He never went to Europe. He never went to Africa, South America. He didn't even it. go to, to Jamaica. <laughs> and so maybe. So anyway, so his dad was the ambassador to China. Yeah. And why you kind of poo-poo the whole thing because you're you have people in foreign service in your background, but he, apparently his dad sent a note. They were going to have some big shindig in Beijing, you know, that, were, that the embassy was going to put on, and invited George and gave you know gave him a ticket to go to China to have a, to party, which seems like a logical thing for him to do. Yeah. And he refused to go because he didn't want to leave the country. I don't know. I will. I'm not poo-pooing that. What are you talking about poo-pooing? Well, you told me that you get sick of these parties. Oh me, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you mean it that way, sure. Um, but that's a good one. I'll, I'll, um, I'll corroborate that with Dan, with Don. I think it was already uh, uh, in the Bush camp at the time. Oh, yeah, he, so he didn't go to China when his dad was the ambassador there. Talk about it. I mean, the opportunity for fun. Yeah, no, that's not his idea of fun. No, apparently not. He's a puppet. So anyway, uh, on to a different topic. So we had dinner. We have to do one of our rare restaurant reviews. Yeah. Um, now, this was interesting because this is the first restaurant that I've been to that we actually entered the restaurant through a shopping mall. That was uh, <laughs> Bloomingdale's, no less. That was very, that was interesting. Yeah, I found that the, it's an unusual place to have a restaurant it, or a, you know, a fairly high-end restaurant that you have to go through a shopping mall to get there. Although I've seen other similar things. There's a couple of restaurants in Atlanta, Georgia that are positioned like this. What was the name of it again? Larkspur Steakhouse. All right, yeah. And it's a uh, Bradley Ogden place. Anyone who's familiar with the chefs in the West Coast uh, usually has heard of Bradley Ogden. And he, uh, this is his only steakhouse that I know of. And he uh, has a, his place in Las Vegas for a while was the top-rated restaurant. It was called Bradley Ogden's. But in San Francisco, he's, he runs uh, One Market, which is the place you, you were reminded of. Right, that's right. One architect. market. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what it was. Yeah, and, and he also, but his claim to fame is a 
thing called the Larkspur Inn, which is actually in Larkspur. And uh, I've known the guy for a while. I've run into him a few times. He's a very interesting character because uh, I think he's one of the guys, even though I didn't see any evidence of it at the steakhouse, generally speaking, his food has uh, um, exaggerated flavors. And the only other guy that, that manages to pull this off is uh, uh, Bully in New York City, who you know had Bullies and then Bully Bakery, and I think he's running some other place. What now do you too. mean by exaggerated flavor exactly? Well, it's like it's like they they do something. I think they cheat. <laughs> it's MSG. That's what it is. For example, Bully one time, I was at one of his places, and he, uh, he had this banana dish. And the banana flavor was so intense that there had to be some banana extract or some yeah, reduced some, bananas. Oh, okay, right, there was right, something right. going on. Mm. And uh, it was delicious. I'm not complaining. Uh, but but Bradley manages to get these. So the flavors are low, they're heightened. They're more intense than they would normally be for whatever dish you're talking about. And, and one of the things I've always noticed with his cooking is, even though some of his, his presentations aren't absolutely, you know, French-style spectacular, the food usually will out, if you had a bunch of different plates and he was doing the same dish as everyone else, his would taste better. So let me, let me um, give you a top-line review and then you can jump in. First of all, so placement, interesting. Um, I really like the booths. I actually didn't even notice if the whole restaurant was that way, but I like the kind of three by three booths where you can, you know, if it's most comfortable if it's either just two or four people. Right. Um, that was really good. The uh, music was three decibels too loud. At least the sax. It was like you know, very typical, almost Kenny G like music. That was. Uh, I didn't like the music. No, that was uh, that was unfortunate. Um, I very much appreciate our uh, our server saying, "Would you like uh, regular ice water?" Instead of forcing a bottle of some expensive shit on us. Right. And everyone out there should know that amongst the foodies right now, tap water is in. Ah, there you go. Especially if it's So you always ask for tap water. Don't buy the bottle of water. There's a number of articles in the trades about this, about how what it just turned into a ripoff. Wait, in the foodie trades? Yeah. Oh, what foodie trade would that be? Food and well, driver? Tasting Panel Magazine, for one. <laughs> tasting Panel Magazine. You have that, don't you? I bet you subscribe. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, there's Food and Driver, Tasting Panel. <laughs> tasting I'm just panel saying, magazine. you're going to hear, if you read the, anything written by the insiders, they're going to talk about this. Oh, and the, the thing is, it's cool. And I, I've noticed that everyone's just doing it naturally. Cause it's almost like people are fed up with bottled water. Well, they charge you four and a half bucks. Why yeah, not? For, of course, of course, we're fed up with it. That's stupid, right? You always go through two bottles. There's sort of ten dollars yeah, for nothing. Exactly. Um, so that so that was nice. Our server was a little overzealous. He came, you know, yeah. he came back a little too often, but that's okay. Um, let me see. Uh, you had so we both had salad. I had the um, iceberg lettuce Waldorf dressing, which uh, the chef is apparently quote famous for. It was, that's what he. That's what he said. Yeah, well, I've yeah, I know, the I famous that. dressing. And you had uh, actually, you had something you didn't like. Your your salad was not what you wanted. Well, they had this. Uh, they had this uh, blue cheese dressing on some other salad. I said, "Could I have that dressing on the regular cheap salad?" You know, just the real, the greens is what I usually get anyway. And so they said, "Oh yeah, sure, no problem." So I tried this dressing. It was so ammoniated yeah. that I just said, "You know, I can't eat this. It's just terrible." 
And so they took it back and gave me the salad in its in its more common form, which was had the normal vinaigrette on it, right. which wasn't that great either. Mm. I've had better, but mine was, uh, was mine little, was good, wasn't it? Because you had you had some of my salad that was really good. Your yours was outstanding. That's what I would get if I went back. Yeah, yeah. And that that was presented all right. It was and it was all it was presented nicely and still um, manageable. You could kind of cut through it and it wasn't like falling apart. Right. There, there was some thought went into that. And uh, and then we had uh, let's see main course. I had the rib steak of the eighth rib, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, who knows? And you had the what'd you have? I had the the Hearst Ranch grass fed New York strip. Right. Actually, yeah, mine my, my was actually, wasn't it the eel? The eel steak. Yeah, the eel steak, eighth rib. That's what it was. Eel. Eel, eel river. Eel river. Crap. Eel river. Yeah, that's what I whatever. Give me a break. Yeah, whatever. So, you know, there's still the best steak I've had is still in a place in Berkeley called Downtown. I was going to say, you know, the, the steak was good, but it didn't blow me away. No, it didn't blow me away either. I mean, I have better meat here. Yeah. Um, so they didn't. I mean, it's not. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was just like it was. It was like okay. I've had this. I've had steak before. This was good steak, and you know, and I had the uh, their famous uh, horseradish uh, mixed in with a little bit of a one steak sauce upon recommendation, which was a good recommendation, by the way. That's a, that's a good combo. Yeah, you ordered a one steak sauce. That cracked me up. <laughs> and he brought it out. He said you should try and mix it with our famous horseradish. And I did. This works, right? I did. And so I, I didn't pour it over the steak. I just, you know, I dipped it in a little bit. And it was great. But the steak was, you know, and I had a couple pieces with with nothing on it. And it was like, yeah, you know, it was a little bland, honestly. There was no uh, no taste enhancement there, like your banana story. Right. Right. No, it's uh, I, that's I felt the same way. I could have been a little more pumped up. I, I think they need to resource their beef. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I was just going to say because you know, that eels, eel river shit. Uh, you know, who cares? It they should just find some guy that's got the you know the gr- good stuff out of Iowa, and screw it. You know, yeah. it's a steakhouse for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, however, all of that was completely put right by your choice of wine. Oh yes, we had a uh, for people out there who like wine. We had a uh, Camus, which, by the way, in the in the seventies uh, used to be pronounced Camus. Uh-huh. By the owner, but anyway, Camus. If you pronounce it that way, people think you're nuts. The Camus 2005 Cabernet, which was absolutely yeah, it was uh, outstanding, perfect, outstanding, yeah. and they served it in very appropriate glasses. I really like the the big, thin, walled glasses. Just nice. You could really look at the wine, and that was that was good. Now, so our discovery during the process, even though there was a lot of side dishes there and they were all pretty decent, and we did. Well, no, let's just say I had, I had the corn and I had uh, the mashed potato, both fantastic. You had the uh, chips or French fries, as you would call them, you you American swine. Um, that was it. You didn't have any any other vegetables. No, I ate off of your stuff. Right. Okay. So. Um, so that was all good, but then you're right. Dessert. The that French was... fries were a little bland. Yeah, same and... thing. It was how the the corn was excellent. Yeah, the corn was good, but the French fries were bland. They needed to be. I don't know what to, what they could have done. Salt. But Put a little salt on it. Salt. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, and, hey, can I have some ketchup? Give me some ketchup. And they had over they here. served it with a hollandaise sauce, which tasted more like a baronaise to me, and it didn't really work. No. 
Uh, and I don't know why. It was it was too watery. It wouldn't stick to the French fries. So, so that was, like, not good. And then they brought, I wanted ketchup anyway, so they brought these little containers of ketchup, these little little mini bowls with the ketchup in it. And the ketchup that they chose seemed to be a, uh, a mediocre one. Yeah, it, uh, it wasn't no Heinz 57 label, man. Well, whatever it was, it was, I don't think it was homemade either. No. So anyway, but the big discovery we made, yep. I think, yep. at the end of the meal, you ordered some sorbets. Yes. Three flavors. And- one was, uh, kind of peachy, I think. One was, or like a, I don't remember. The third was that was the one that was the most spectacular, uh, which it was, was cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. Yep. And I had ordered some calvados. The two, both of us had some, some old calvados. And it turns out, that a bite of the cantaloupe sorbet with a, uh, a, a sip of the Calvados is unbelievably tasty. We should put that shit in a bottle and sell it to teenagers, John. <laughs> <laughs> Add some sugar and we're done. No, it was unbelievably nice. That was really good. <clears throat> so we're yeah, calling so it the, uh, the CNC, the cantaloupe and uh, Calvados. CNC. CNC. Trying to find so some check CNC. it out if anyone can get a hold of some cantaloupe sorbet, uh, get some Calvados and see what you think. My, my my mouth is actually just watering thinking about it. That was yeah, nice. it was. It's, I have to say, it was pretty spectacular. Was Meanwhile, good. you should mention that all the while, of course, at least at the beginning, before the meal began, you were fretting about the fact that your daughter. Oh, yeah. So Christina, called, this was great. Around um, five o'clock in the afternoon, and we had dinner. Dinner was early, like six thirty, seven o'clock. So at five, I get a text from my daughter, and it uh, so five in the afternoon. By then, it was uh, it was like one a.m. Uh, she texts me because she um, I I won this trip at a charity auction to Disneyland. It was by the way, it was uh, sponsored by Thomas Cook, which is a famous tour operator, certainly here in uh, the UK. I think it's worldwide. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of problems with this to start off with because, you know, I, I, we were, we're never going to get to Disney. So Christina said, can I take my, my, my friends and we'll use the trip? I said, yeah, that's cool. So, um, you know, uh, they call up and it, it was like in a nice gift bag. And so Christina called up and they said, well, you know, there's, it's only, it's on, it's off season blackout dates. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's stupid. You, what kind of gift is this? So, you know, and, uh, and I'm just ranting about it. And then, of course, Patricia, she's, you know, she, she was with me at the end. I spent some good money at this charity auction, you know, I was, um, and it, it was all she, she, poo, poo. You know, it was a piece of shit and I would have known it was a piece of shit. Then I wouldn't feel bad. But now I feel like, yeah, it was, it was just it was annoying. It was just annoying. So, um, uh, Patricia gets into it and she calls him up. And so finally all this is arranged. And, uh, so it works out interestingly. I'm in San Francisco. Uh, Patricia is in Holland. She's doing another, um, she, now she's doing pop stars. She's another, uh, another jury uh, gig judge, uh, for one of these reality shows. And so Christina was going to go off to uh, Disneyland Paris with her friends. And so it turns out, you know, two of them couldn't make it or whatever. So it was just her and this other girl. By the way, two beautiful children of the sun, you know, just the 17, 18 year olds, actually 18, both 18 now, or Christina's almost 18. And, uh, you know, so they decided, uh, fuck Disney, let's go off to Paris. So they had uh, done the Louvre and then all these, you know, grown-up girl things. And they were Gidget in Paris. And then they got on the train to go back. And then they wind up at 1 o'clock in the morning at the end of the line in um, uh, Boissy saint Leger, which if you uh, look at a map, is kind of halfway between the center of Paris and Disneyland, only to the south. 
So it's uh, it's like a it's like the province, <laughs> and it's dark. And so I get yeah, a text message. France, we yeah, call it. really. And I get a text message. Christina says, uh, "Daddy, I'm a little bit worried." <laughs> and uh, so I call her up. And uh, and she's there, and there's like you know guys yapping in French. It's like the conductor trying to tell her she needs to take a bus back to Paris because this is it. You know everyone's asleep in this town, and uh, and so I'm meanwhile I'm zooming in on Google Earth, right? I can see the station, I can see where the bus station is. So it's almost like a matrix, you know. I'm like, okay, Neo, take the third door on the right, you know. So I'm like trying to help these kids find a taxi cab or anything. And then of course her uh, uh, her phone dies, her battery's dead. <laughs> and uh and she she'd also called her mom so her mom, you know and it's like one thirty in the morning now and her mom's over there and she's tired and uh you know and so she's freaking out because that's what moms do you know the umbilical cord is still virtually connected and uh so she's so patricia's texting me calling me i'm trying to figure it out and so then uh, uh you know well, what I, about I, the other girl didn't she have a phone no of course not her her phone was charging back at the hotel uh, uh so you know strike two and uh, so now it's like 2 a.m. And, and I don't know where they are. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm I'm getting ready to call some people that I know in France. You know, <laughs> like okay, I'm gonna gotta gotta figure this out because it's just worrisome. And um, but then I call her back, and all of a sudden she picks up because she you know, met up with this kind of middle aged couple, like 30s, I guess. And uh, th- she had put her SIM card in their phone, so that was kind of smart. Um, and but then I'm like, you know, all I want is I want to talk to these people. And I just want to say, could you please, you know, put them on, a, you know, the right bus or whatever. And my, my daughter's saying, no, we're on the bus with them. We're going to uh, Paris. And then from there, we're going to take a cab to Disney. So I'm like, oh, she's going back to, you know, Paris. It should be there at three in the morning. Two girls. God knows how they're dressed. You know, I know what they look like. They're just they're too beautiful to be walking around Paris at 3 a.m. And um, they look like a couple of hookers. Thank you. Uh, like, you know, like transsexuals walking around. So, um, which, by the way, is a big thing in Paris on all the street corners of the Champs Elysees, even. Um, so, oh, I'm really? like, yeah. So I'm like, let me talk to, let me talk to these people. And, you know, my French, <laughs> low mediocre. I mean, my French is worse than Condoleezza Rice is Russian. And, uh, and, but, and this woman, she, I'm like, oh, okay. So then I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm at the office, right? I'm yelling, does anybody here speak French? And uh, I forget who it was. One of our Russian guys says, I, I can try and get away with it. So we're like in a three-way, you know, and, I'll, and I'm like, could you please, when you get off the bus, take them to the hotel uh, and make sure they get in a cab because, you know, I would be, I would really appreciate that. Uh, anyway, so, you know, um, at a certain point, there was no more contact uh, for about an hour or so. Uh, maybe, uh, and we're, in fact, we're about to walk into the restaurant and, you know, and you and I, had agreed that you know this is going to be a great life experience a great learning lesson for these kids and you know they're 18 and yeah i mean the logical part of my brain is saying yeah absolutely but on the but of course all the death scenarios and doom are running through the other part (laughs) and patricia keeps calling and texting and it's for now four in the morning and she's you know she's just just freaking out four in the morning europe time europe time yeah and then uh, as we sat down to dinner, and, you know, I was already like, man, this really is ruining the vibe for this dinner and everything. And then I get a text message from Christina. She says, we're back at the hotel. We're safe. <sighs> so that that enabled me to fully enjoy the bland meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, there's a couple other things that came up in the conversation which I wanted to go over. One is your experience with Virgin America and Virgin Atlantic. You went into a rant that I think needs to be reproduced for the public at large. Well, this you is said that they wouldn't let you into the into the little uh, lounge. It, it's it's really more an issue, my personal issue with um, with Virgin Atlantic. Uh, Ron and I took uh, this was early; it only just launched. We took Virgin America to New York, and uh, actually, we couldn't even we couldn't upgrade to first class, which was kind of a bummer at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I have my, I, I think I would rather travel JetBlue just for the, uh, for the seat spacing and the, uh, and, and the angle of bank that you get on your, on your seat back. Um, uh, but that's a, that's not related to the story necessarily. But on the way back, we're flying from JFK out, you know, back to San, Fr- San Francisco. And, uh, they don't have a lounge for Virgin America. You know, it's a, it's a budget airline, so that makes sense. I'm like, hey, you know, I've, I've got like super duper, uh, gold card with diamond encrusted status at Virgin Atlantic. Let's go over to their lounge. So we go over to the lounge and say, you know, uh, we're just, uh, we're, we're on Virgin America, so, uh, we just like to sit in the lounge. No, I'm sorry, we, you can't. And we say, what do you mean I can't? Well, no, that's a separate company and it's not tied into us. And by the way, the air, the miles are also not combined as far as I know yet either. Um, the rewards program. And, uh, and I could huff and puff all I wanted, but they would not let me sit there if I wasn't flying on Virgin Atlantic. You know what? I was thinking about this. It's, it's totally, yeah, by the way, Virgin, about it Virgin Atlantic. So well, Virgin Atlantic is at fault there, I feel. Yeah, but here's what I'm thinking. There is a, uh, a protectionist thing that goes on that doesn't allow international carriers to carry domestic uh, travel in the U.S. In other words, Singapore could. Oh no no come no over no! From, that, that's no, wait, totally, wait, let me finish. That's totally no, why it was that, done. No, let me finish. Okay. Uh, Singapore, for example, can't. You know, even though they might stop in San Francisco and then go on to New York from uh, from Singapore from Hong Kong, they can't pick anybody up in San Francisco and take them to New York. Which I think is idiotic, but that's the way it is because of the way our, we have restrictive laws. You know, so our free market, our fantastic free market where there's no regulation, apparently isn't that free. I think that they probably have some sort of a memo that we have to keep these two companies so separate. Yes. That no matter that if you even mention Virgin, you probably could have gotten in that lounge if you had never said if I, anything. If I had, to if show I had not card. said Virgin America, yeah. Well, so you may recall that Virgin America had a tough time launching, and they they literally had planes sitting in the desert for I think about a year, and it was exactly that reason. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger pulled the trigger on some law that allowed them to operate. So um, you, I think there's there's even a law that you can't operate as a foreign owner of a foreign airline, you can't operate a, a domestic U.S. airline. And I think they split it up into two companies for that very reason. Then Schwarzenegger changed some law or approved something that essentially let them uh, let them operate. But you're absolutely right. There's no carry-on. Um, and, and that's part of the Open Skies Agreement. There's all kinds of shady stuff that you know, well shady i wouldn't say that maybe shady but yeah i think you're absolutely right there's they they probably can't even talk about each other yeah which is the a joke i mean the fact of the matter is the you know i've flown virgin america a couple of times now to seattle and it's a it's a 10 times it's 10 times better than anything else right now to go back and forth i don't like but uh, i like JetBlue better does, does JetBlue fly up to seattle 
No, not f- not from here. They fly. Uh-huh. F- they think they fly to Seattle from Long Beach or something yeah, like that. Right, but I had my, right. you have to fly to Long Beach and then fly up. That's yeah, stupid. No, that's stupid. Uh, there's no direct flight. But no, JetBlue I like a lot too. But there's something about the. Uh, you know, they do these auctions at the end of the day. If there's, if there's any first-class seats, they'll sell them for nothing. Mm-hmm. So I upgrade for 50 bucks to first class, and I get, like, a five-course meal. I mean, they really – it's like it's like I've never had so much food on such a short flight except on a foreign carrier. Like, one time I flew from Taiwan to – I think it was an hour flight from Taiwan to someplace like – I don't know, it was Taiwan to Hong Kong or something, or Japan, not sure. But anyway, it was like an hour but meanwhile, they served it like a 20-course meal. It was unbelievable. <laughs> well, when um, when I actually arrived, part of the uh, the story I didn't tell when I arrived uh, last Sunday is uh, my bag didn't show up with me. Um, and it was going to come on the on the flight the next day. And I was you know, I was pissed off. I'm like, you know, this is a very expensive. In fact, it's got it's the price of my ticket has gone up another 20 or 25 percent since I last flew. So that's only in four or five months time. You know, I'm like, you know, and I looked, I said, what do you do for people who paid this amount of money and their bag doesn't show up? What, you know, what do you do about that? Well, this woman at the bag counter, she obviously wasn't, uh, uh, she, there's nothing she could do. So I just let it go. Did, but I, well, wait, before, can you preface this? Were you, did the flight leave early or did you check in late? Is that why the bag was delayed? No, in fact, uh, no, I, because, you know, they, Virgin picks you up. So, you know, it's all door-to-door service, so everything's taken care of, and they take your bag, they do all the checking in, everything. The flight was actually even delayed by two hours, which is probably the reason, because it was probably sitting around somewhere and then, you know, got mixed up. I mean, that shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate. But, you know, I, I do know that with British Airways, um, they immediately come out with all kinds of compensation. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm thinking three days Necker Island. I'm like, okay, Branson, I'm going to get you for this sucker. So I fire off an email to my personal travel uh, assistance at Virgin, the uh, PAMS, Personal Advanced Travel Management System, whatever the hell it is. And I, and I say the same thing. It's like, you know, here's what happened. You know, what do you guys do for this? Well, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, we're sending it off to Richard Branson's executive assistant. And uh, and when I got home, there was indeed a letter from uh, Richard Branson's office that said, we're so sorry. Uh, and by the way, they they totally knew because from the minute I set foot in the airport, they were all over me. You know how the um, you know, if you're uh, if your gold card on some of these uh, international flights, then the flight services director. So basically the uh, uh, the chief uh, steward or stewardess will uh, you know, who runs all the cabin personnel, they'll come up and they'll say, hey, how are you doing, Mr. Curry? And, you know, they'll make give a little personal touch to it. Right. And uh, but. Um, so this, uh, so the flight services director sits down and, and, you know, is there anything we can do for you, Mr. Curry? And out of my mouth comes, um, yeah, some pole dancers perhaps. And, and without blinking, she says, I'll have Naomi come over in a minute. <laughs> I swear to God. And Naomi was a very cute stewardess. <laughs> when I was like, Did she give you a pole dance? No, 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 no. But that, I just thought it was so funny. I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> send Naomi over. So um, anyway, so give me ten thousand miles and uh, I think two hundred pounds. Yeah, not bad. That's yeah, better than poking the eye with a sharp stick. Yeah, but I just wanted someone to apologize. Just you know, come on, and a lot of money goes into that company. Well, now, 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 to finish the story, you told me that the bag was maybe not going to be shipped to you. Oh, if yeah. So then they wanted me to come to the airport because uh, there were some issues with uh, they didn't really want to put my bag on the aircraft unaccompanied because it was quote filled with 
equipment and wires. <laughs> I say, yeah, I can tell you exactly what it is. Each item, I know. Well, do you have a carnet for that, which is like an international document of, you know, like a customs thing? I said, no, it's just you know, just some shit that I use. You know, it's like I'm a, I'm a I'm a podcaster. Leave me alone. You know, I remember back back in the seventies. The uh, showing my age, of course, but when you traveled, even with a camera, yeah, you had to have customs forms for it. You had to have a form for it because if you went, took the camera out of the country, took it back in, they don't know if you were going to sell it over sell there, it, or if you yeah. bought it new, and yep. you bought it and you're trying to get it in without paying duty, and there was this a big, so you had to go with a bunch of documentation to fly around. If that was still in play today, with all the crap that people carry around, the iPods and the laptops and the this and the that, it was, you'd be walking around with a binder full of stuff. Well, back when, uh, let's see. I'm, uh, this is probably yeah maybe 18 years ago. I remember maybe even a little bit longer. I remember um, leaving the air, leaving the Netherlands, and uh, I had uh, my watch on. It was still new and shiny then. And they said, "Here's this form." I said, "What's that for?" Well, you need to write down uh, your watch and uh, and declare it because uh, a it has to come back into the country. And when you come back to the country, they'll certainly want to try and uh, charge you import duty on it. I'm like it's it's on my fucking wrist. Yeah, but it it looks new. Well, I just yeah, and there was a lot of smuggling going on. People, you know, women would go. There's always the story, but you know, they go to uh, Europe and buy a fur coat and a bunch of diamonds, and they walked waltz through customs on the way back as though it's their, you know, that they walked out with it. So here, so here's my question: with all of that, you know, tightness on smuggling, with all of the, uh, I mean, look at what I'm going through at the border. Look at uh, all the the. Border security and war on terror, homeland security, protectionism. How is it possible that all these drugs from Afghanistan and places uh, of this nature makes it into the to the West, into Europe, into England, into the United States, and it's cheap by the ton. How, by the tons. How, how? I mean, how does that work? I always get the kick out of somebody who always discovers a five tons of some drug and you're thinking that's obviously must be a spit in the bucket because it doesn't affect the prices on the street the stuff's still coming in no here in in the uk all the nasty shit like cocaine and heroin is cheaper than marijuana hmm. yeah you know it makes you wonder what the brits are doing there in afghanistan Obviously, they're setting up conduits to move tons of drugs. Well, you can't bring your watch in. Well, I mean, but but this is the, that whole Iran Contra thing. That's exactly what this was about. It's like they'd send the dope back. The dope would be sold. The dope would then be you know used to buy weapons, and the weapons would go back. I mean, it seems like a perfect scam. Well, it's a it's a, it's a uh, let's say a gray market. <laughs> Very gray. <laughs> Which. Uh, I think brings us to uh, my favorite topic. Now, wait a minute. I got something else. <laughs> this is great. The, uh, the Spanish government all came back for an emergency meeting yesterday because the economy is collapsing. It is? Yep. The uh, economy of Spain is collapsing? Yes. Uh, this really? Is a, yeah, this is an article. Well, they've the they've been re, you know Spain was in this huge overdevelopment mode of new buildings, basically you know second homes for a lot of Europeans, and uh, there's just you know so much money and all the all the you know the big uh, 
uh, archi- yeah, not architecture, all the big building firms, you know, the, all these gangster guys, they're all there in Marbella and they're all hanging out. And um, so Zapatero, who is, I think Zapatero is the Spanish prime minister, had his entire cabinet come back yesterday from vacation. He he came back from vacation as well. Um, well, there's story after story here. Spanish government cuts short holiday as economy collapses. There you go. Socialist Spain's economic collapse, bloggist. Global economic collapse begins. First one to pop is Spain. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen all over Europe. Oh, well, that'll bring the dollar back up to snuff. Well, that's it. I read an interesting theory on that. The theory is that um, that this is actually uh, it, it's a it's a scam. Yeah, it's gonna it, the dollar. You think it's a scam? The, no, the, the, it is a scam. Everything. Well, of course, is. That's, it's what a we, scam. that's all we. That's the theme of our show. <laughs> it's a scam. Get Mo Nation. It's a scam. Come on, Georgie. Yes, you can. Um, let's see if I can find that. I saw some. Uh, it was a really good article about it. Uh, really, really showing in depth how you know this the the dollar. Oh, okay. The, the problem is the U.S. is now, and I don't have proof of this, but is starting to default on some of these loans. You know, like the nine trillion or so that we have. Mm. Um, and it's all about pegging the external currencies. Once you know, cause this is about the pegging. I don't really understand it honestly, but the it's about the. Um, all these other currencies being pegged to the dollar, but that it's still going to, it's going to, but yes, in the short term, dollar up. Absolutely. Good. So uh, I'm looking here at an article from March 9th, 2008, where there's Spain goes to poll. This is some while, a while ago. Spain goes to polls in shadow of financial woes <laughs> and terror threats. So this has started, this started a while back, I guess, yeah. and is now coming to a head. I, I and it's think, all based on these, uh, you know, on buildings. You're right. And and I and I I also didn't notice it kind of happened uh, this week while I was in the states. The pound just took a beating against the dollar. I mean, I mean, I'm, we're talking massive, like fifteen cents or something. About time. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Being paid in dollars, I totally agree. I think it's way over, we're way overdue for that correction. Yeah, well, get back to buck fifty. What it is really what it traditionally has been over the eons. Although it's you know approached a one to one thing a couple of times, never quite made it that I rem- that, at least in my lifetime. But um, I don't sure what, what do you mean? Oh, I mean the, the, the dollar to pound ratio traditionally is about a buck and a half for a pound. Yeah, it's usually been about that. Yeah. And but at one time I think it was in the seventies or or no, maybe it was in the seventies. It must have been the eighties. I'm not sure, but it was get going. So I think it was like a buck twenty-five. I got that low, and I'm thinking, wow, this thing could go to a one to one. That'd be kind of cool. But that was the end of that. Right. Uh, so anyway, it looks like it is the construction industry that's triggered this whole thing, which is interesting and in, say the least. With a glut of this is back in March again, with a glut of around five hundred thousand new flats, flats nationwide. Yeah. yeah. And a credit squeeze, sales but, have dropped fifty percent. But it's always the building industries, and in Europe, the, all these builders—they're, I mean, it's all—they're all in cartels. They're, you know, once in a while they get slapped on the wrist, but you know, they're all really heavily tied into government because all development, of course, is approved by government. It's all connected to each other. So, you know, when that shit unravels, I mean, that's going to be really messy. 
particularly. This is interesting. Let me read this one, too. This is the same article. But it, but Francisco Hernando Village, a mammoth development of 13,000 flats beside the motorway 20 miles south of Madrid, is the most dramatic example of the worry that looms largest at, uh, with the voters. As you approach this gleaming new town outside Sassinia, you glimpse sky through unglazed windows, blocks... Remain unfinished. Cranes soar into the brazen sky and go, because now they're getting carried away with the writing. And close <laughs> up, there's silence. There's no roaring building site, but a ghost town chilled yeah. by winds that whip the bleak Castilian plain. <laughs> Who's not writing this thing? We just hear oh, the, the winds. <laughs> Elizabeth Nash. Yeah. She has to be, she wants to be a novelist, I guess. Oh, man. Did you, this is a this is a fun one. Last week I mentioned something that you said was getting no ink. Now of course the John Edwards story is everywhere, right? But there's a there is an interesting interesting little link to this. What I which I just found out when I got back the, this this afternoon that Fred Barron, um, who is the I guess either was or is I guess was Edwards' uh, finance director. He's a lawyer. A prominent Texas lawyer. Um, now, of course, this kind of fits into the blogosphere where, um, uh, you know, Robert Scoble had a picture of, because he was on the plane, on the campaign plane, when a couple of bloggers uh, were invited to go along with Edwards. And Scoble had a picture of Edwards and this uh, girlfriend of his. And so that oh, kind of, really? Oh, well, yeah. Scoble oh. takes pictures of everything. Right. So, I mean, you know, eventually Scoble's going to have a picture of everything. Exactly. Um, but also on the plane was uh, Rocket Boom. Rocket Boom. And now all these things click together. Now I know where this guy is such an arrogant little prick. That's Andrew Barron, who was Fred Barron's son. So now all of a sudden it puts Rocket Boom in a very different perspective. And uh, very interesting. Did they just get bought by somebody? Uh, no, they uh, they sold the quote distribution rights to Sony. But what's interesting is that Fred Barron, um, he's invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in Rocket Boom, uh, up to eight hundred thousand dollars. And so essentially, you know, by um, by letting Rocket Boom come on the plane, you know, there's all kinds of conflicts of interest there. It's uh, it's helping a business interest of his getting more exposure. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff there that's a little little fishy. I just thought it was very interesting because I always wondered how the hell they do it. <laughs> like, where are they getting their money from? Who's who's paying for all that? They can't all be working for free. Yeah, well, apparently they're. It's a I don't know. Actually, Andrew's never. I have, I've always kind of. I've never disliked the guy. But uh, I don't know how he makes any money either. I've always been baffled by it. Well, he doesn't. He his dad pays for it. Yeah, that, well, that's how. Hey, well, that and that's okay. And that's okay. He's just the. Uh, it's a, it's a model. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and so, what's your business model? <laughs> my dad my, pays my dad for it. My, my, up dad, the bill? my dad pays for it. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, looks like uh, this was another good one that I picked up. Um, growing doubts da- from the New York Times. Growing doubts from scientists about the strength of the government's case against the late Bruce E. Ivins, the military researcher named as the anthrax killer, are forcing the Justice Department to begin disclosing more fully the scientific as evidence it used to implicate him. And I'll just remind you that they used new scientific methods 
So Ooh, the, yeah. new. Yeah. Remember, don't you remember that? It was like they had some new way to trace back these spores to this flask. Yeah, to the one flask that he had the only one that had total control over the flask, no matter that he was working for other people, but he had the total control, and that must be it, and that's why he committed suicide mm-hmm. somehow. So, by, oh, you took away, he committed suicide by, by eating you know, too much Tylenol. <laughs> well, and actually, we, we were talking about that because, um, we had the discussion about paracetamol. A lot of people said, hey, you know, it's paracetamol. If you take too much of it, you actually, you know, you can get your liver can fail and you can die. And, uh, so, okay. And so, and then we're thinking, well, wait a minute. That's what's in Tylenol. So, so if he took massive quantities of Tylenol, which could actually be deadly, it would probably take a couple of days. Yeah, I don't think it kills you f- very quickly. But the thing is that the, the, that's what I think we brought this up too at the dinner, which was that it's become like, and I hate to use the word, uh, overuse the word meme, but the idea that you would go to a counter and buy two bottles and then the cash register would say, no, you can't buy this much out of the blue because that's never happened before. Maybe just a way of getting it into the public's consciousness that this stuff is toxic so no one's going to question this crazy suicide, which may have not been a suicide at all. But, you know, I've gotten a lot of email from people saying that you really don't want to OD on uh, paracetamol. Right or Tylenol. In fact, yeah. you don't want to use Tylenol if you drink alcohol. You don't. You don't really need that at all. In fact, it, you know, often the reason your headache goes away when you have an aspirin is because you're drinking water. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, yeah, it's probably I, some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so it looks like they're going to have to come out with new with with backing. They have to back up all of their so called evidence uh, this week. So that's good. I'll be looking out for that. That's kind of cool. Um, okay, I got to talk about Clinton. Oh, I was hoping we just forget about it. No, 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 because I have have another piece to the puzzle. I've got another piece. It's all happening. It's unfolding. Okay, so amidst all this, amidst all the shit we just talked about for the past hour. Well, can I throw a premise in just to add a little spice before you begin? Just to say Adam is nuts? Was that the premise? (laughs) No, I think this was all triggered by the fact that we are both of us slightly suspicious of Hillary's intentions at the convention. Yes. In more ways than one, and that, of course, started with her not canceling her campaign, but a suspension of her campaign. I've never forgotten that. Um, So this guy, uh, the leader of the Democratic uh, Party in Arkansas, I'm sorry, I'm just saying this guy, that's kind of disrespectful because he's dead, Bill Gwatney, chairman of the Arkansas Democratic Party and personal friend of the Clintons, was murdered last Wednesday, um, and you know it was one. It was one of those crazy murders, and so I started. You know, I can't remember exactly why, but well, I'm sure I, uh, something flashed somewhere on a website, and I'm like Clinton body count. Hey, that's interesting. So I start looking at how many people who are friends, acquaintances, or business partners of the Clintons have wound up dead. Holy crap! I mean, this list is, I mean, what do you think, John? 50 people, maybe? Yeah, and that's probably, uh, I'm sure there's others that we don't know about. I mean, I'm talking his personal bodyguards, his envoys. Of course, we all know about uh, the Whitewater um, uh, affair. And, um, I mean, just, and it's it's all either suicide or... Vince Foster. Vince too. Foster, that's right. And it's it's all either a suicide, but it's all death by gunshot. You mean, n- n- no Tylenol involved. 
you know, shot in the face, and then this whole <clears throat> Mina, um, which was, you know, goes back to our drug smuggling things. Just, I mean, and, and there's actually, um, I, I put, um, I put this, uh, it's a documentary, which is, I, did you watch that documentary I sent you the link to? That's no, in, not yet. Oh, uh, it's, it's well done, man. This thing is a couple of years old, but it's really well done, and it goes through all of the Clinton's background, but it really accelerates when it gets to the, to the, 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 the list of dead people. It's just, it's crazy. And I'm, and then we were at dinner and, or maybe it was still at the office. I'm like, you know, was this guy a super delegate? Well, yes, lo and behold, he was Actually, a super we were delegate. at lunch at Fringal in San That's Francisco. Right. And then you were telling me this story and I'm thinking, oh, this is Adam going off the deep end again. I said, well, is the guy a super delegate? You brought out your phone. You started looking it up by Googling super delegate and the guy's name. It turns out he was. He was a super delegate. Right. So now I'm thinking, well, you know, this this is kind of interesting. Let's start to put all of these pieces of the puzzle together. So simultaneously in this week, uh, the Obama camp or the the DNC, I guess, concedes that there will be a roll call vote at the convention. Now, the way I understand that, you know, they're saying it's a, you know it's a way to involve Hillary or maybe it's a way to get her in the vice presidential slot. But the way I understand a roll call vote at at the at the convention is they're actually going to count the votes. Instead of just saying, Obama's the man, they're going to do a ceremonious reading of the votes. Is that the way you understand that, Yeah, John? no, they would go, California, right. California cast 45 votes right. for blah, 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 and 45 votes for the next president of the United States, right. you know, right. that kind of thing. So, in my mind, in my Mulder theory, theorist, my CT mode, as we've, and we have another abbreviation, conspiracy theorist is now CT mode, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe, the, maybe they've been... Because you know the super delegates basically, for those of you who don't know, and this is, and I've learned from John that this is you know uh, only something that happens with the Democratic Party. You have these super super delegates, and regardless of what is decided in a caucus, um, the super delegate is the one who actually calls the shots. Is that? Yeah, Basically, no, you yeah. can, for example, there, we're out here in uh, California, uh, where I think Hillary won, uh, the state. There was a couple su super delegates in Marin County. He says, I don't care. Actually, I think they were going to vote for Hillary. And she, I, she, the, the super delegate who was a representative of the state government, she says, I don't care how the vote goes. I'm voting for blah, blah, blah. Right. I think she's going to vote for Hillary no matter right. what. I don't care what they vote. We're right. voting for this. So, so I immediately say, well, this is a message. This is the message to all the super delegates because this guy, in some reports I found, this Bill Guatney, when Hillary started to wane or when she had suspended, you know, the timing of that is not entirely clear but then he switched over to obama which of course is towing the party line but for me you know in my ct mode i'm like this is this is a total message to these super delegates that you know now we're going to have a roll call vote <laughs> and, you know you better be voting for hillary her her campaign is suspended she could still maybe she actually believes that it could happen now here's what i find today now this is what blew me away lady de rothschild Rothschild, of course, one of the families that are the true owners of our earth. Along <laughs> with, the, yes, they own our earth. Now she's they American. Make good wine, so I don't care. Yes, okay. And the Rockefellers make good plazas. So she's on Fox News, and she's plugging this thing togetherforus.com. That's together numeral four us.com. And I'll just and, I'll, and I don't have to tell you what she was saying on Fox News because basically right here on the homepage it says we stand together with Hillary's 18 million voters in pursuit all of the following: 
bring us together by honoring Hillary Clinton and her supporters at the Democratic National Convention in Denver by A, placing her name into nomination following traditional protocol, B, ensuring a roll call vote, and C, inviting her to speak during prime time on August 26th, the 88th anniversary of women's suffrage. And there's a whole bunch of other ones. And I'm like, dude, they're totally going to pull it off. She is going to win the nomination by intimidation and by the huge power. So the intimidation of bullets and the huge power that the Rothschilds wield, who obviously got this roll call vote uh, implemented. I don't know how that works, but that I guess that can also be only be total intimidation. I'm telling you that the Clintons are not done. Well, I'm I'm not going to argue that they're not done, but you know the thing is that came up with this guy getting assassinated, murdered in um, Arkansas mm-hmm. was the fact that um, the way it would have to have played out is that he was a super delegate and then he decided and he was with Hillary and then he's changed his vote to Obama. They must have gone to him and said, "Look, when the when the thing comes up for the roll call vote, yeah, we're going to have that you, happen. You yeah, have to you're go back to say and Hillary, pick right. Hillary, and he says, "No, I'm not going to do that." I already said I'm taking Obama. Boom, yeah, dead. Boom, dead. Exactly. That's the message, though. That's the message, because everyone knows it. Everyone who who switched is now going to say, "Oh crap, I better be saying Hillary," and they're all getting that phone call as we speak. You know what, John? This is scary. You're not pushing back. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not totally unconvinced. Well, I know for a fact that they're sneaky. These these two, and it seems to me that it would be an interesting kind of a thing to try to pull off. Um, to get actually get the nomination because the fact of the matter is Hillary still sees herself as the true winner because she has the most popular vote. Yeah, the popular she vote. Won the yep. Votes. Yep. You know, Obama won most of his stuff on the caucuses, the one-on-ones. He kind of snuck his way in. If they can find one scandalous thing, I think the next couple of weeks is, is the but, telling, or yeah, next week, oh, oh, I guess, oh, oh, would be the end of isn't it. it. Isn't it Wednesday? Isn't it this coming Wednesday, or is it next Wednesday? I think it's a Wednesday after. Well, anyways, I think it's the last so week So this, of the is, month the week. this the is the week where we're going to have Obama and all kinds of compromising situations um they should probably really hit hard on michelle um they should hit hard on michelle i i think you're right i think it's all going to happen this week it's just going to be yeah, one it's going to have to be orchestrated so it looks as though the republicans are doing mm-hmm, it so hillary mm-hmm. can you know so hillary can go i don't know oh, oh that's terrible that they would do this but i i guess we're going to have to pick me <laughs> so they're going to so oh, they're going to have to Well, it's so, it's so understandable, the events and the news that has surfaced in the past week, that the superdelegates have clearly seen the error of their ways, and they have chosen me as the, as the perfect person to lead this party and to lead the new America. How was that? And, you know, and her argument could be, which is all American, it's not over till it's over. That's right. And that's I mean, why that's, she, the, that's why she suspended her campaign. I mean, it makes so much. You know what? I thought those Clintons went away way too easy. I really did. And when you see this, if you have a chance, watch this documentary. I'd say it is as good as any 9-11 video you've ever seen. It, I mean, it's <laughs> that enthralling. It is totally exciting. You just sit there. You go like, oh, my God. You know, this Bill Clinton, is just, he's just all he does is just snort coke all day and go after <laughs> chicks. And you know, and and it's not like just like you know news footage with a voiceover. I mean, there's interviews, there's there's troopers, you know, Texas Rangers, and there's all kinds of people uh, on the record, you know, saying these things. 
You guys send me a link and I'll blog it. It's it's on curry.com. It's right there on the homepage. Okay. I'll you can't over there. Look curry. Dot, you don't have to do a slash blog. Just do curry.com. Real easy to remember. Yeah, I'm, uh, Bubba will pick it up and put it in the show notes. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Bubba had stuff for us to look at, didn't he? Oh, you know what? Actually, um, I have a follow-up on something. Here we go. Just And actually, it fits in perfectly with the, with the right now. Hi, guys. Just finished uh, listening to No Agenda 42, and there was something about uh, Obama being booed. I think that uh, the clip you saw was out of context. Uh, what had happened there was there were some hecklers, and um, they were uh, African Americans. They say, Obama, you don't uh, support African Americans enough. And uh, the crowd was booing the hecklers. And uh, Obama was saying, no, no, let's, let's be civil. Let's, uh, let's pull this back together. And he actually did a question and answer period with them for a couple minutes, and uh, they ended up just sitting down and being quiet. So um, the boos weren't so much for Obama. They were uh, actually directed at the people um, heckling Obama, and uh, Obama handled that heckling situation very well. This is Eric from Portland signing off. Goodbye, guys. Well, there you go. Exactly as we thought it. Yep. So, uh, now Bubba had the thing about the land bridge. You thought the Romans walked to England, even though that bridge was, you know, 100,000 years ago. Uh, okay, so who was it? It wasn't the Romans. But there, were, there was land there, wasn't there? Yeah, 100,000 years ago. That's what I meant, 100,000 years ago. Well, the Romans were there a couple thousand years ago. So it's, <laughs> you got your time frame. I already said bit. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That's true. It's one of our themes. We don't know nothing, anything about nothing. We don't know nothing, nothing about, about nothing. Any, about nothing about anything. <laughs> don't shoot us. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay. Let me see. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, take a look at that documentary. It, it'll just blow you away. Yeah, I, I will. I, I've seen these things before. I mean, I'm. This one I haven't seen. I had, I, I've, you know, I've never been interested, honestly. You know, I never really thought about it, but it, you know, do you take this and and I remember all these individual things happening. I even went back and looked at some Waco stuff, which is also there's some connections to Clinton there. And that yeah, whole, no, you mentioned this. Apparently, a couple of his bodyguards were killed in this action or something. What was that all them, about? Four of his bodyguards were killed uh, at Waco, Texas, and of course, uh, Clinton's uh, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, her White House secretary, whatever, um, you know, later took a box from. You know, the Waco files and there was like, you know, there was like some whitewater stuff. I mean, it, it's just so many connections, so many ties. But the, the fact that four of um, Bill Clinton's former security detail were killed at Waco was just interesting. Hmm. But, but my point is, you know, how that kind of passed me by in, uh, you know, kind of wide awake in dreamland. And now to see how it actually works with this Georgian thing is just fascinating, you know, and it's and it's it's amazing. The only, you know, and people say to me all the time, well, how do we what do we do? How do we stop the insanity? And just I guess just try to help people become aware. And the Internet is really good about it because you know everything is written about stop the insanity. No, but but all this stuff, the, the truth really or good journalism is being performed. It's just because there's so much that you're hammered with over and over and over again by most corporate media um, that it never really becomes the meme, as you would call it, John. It just kind of stays out there. And so when you, once you start to aggregate all the pieces, it's really interesting. Like the Sar- Sarkozy guy, 
I mean, he's, you know, there's a nutcase eating his tie, you know, and sitting in front of, thing is hilarious. sitting in front of EU flags, you know, driving down George Bush Avenue. I mean, when you start to put all that together, it's like, uh, okay. And I, and that's really what, what's kind of cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm digging that. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the public service that we provide with the show. <laughs> no agenda. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, you guys, you must have something. Nothing left. No, on my I'm list? done. I mean, I just wanted to talk about the debriefing I got from the Georgian, the woman yeah, that's from good. Georgia, the mom from Georgia. Yeah. Now, all all of that stuff uh, about Georgia is so blatantly clear. I didn't even bring up my uh, my Tom Clancy game thing. You kind right. of you kind of poo pooed that when I showed it to you, so I'm a little afraid. Well, it's it's interesting. I was just skeptical, and uh, but yeah, Clancy apparently had predicted this in some game well, yeah it's uh well it's it's the um how was it called something ghost recon is what it's called it's a it's a video game uh, apparently very uh very popular one they even have a ghost recon too but uh the trailer was pointed out to me the tra- you know they these things are such high budget and such quality they they do trailers and get uh you know, get kids really hyped up and excited about it. It's a big deal when something new comes out, but I, I don't really follow the shoot 'em up death games. <clears throat> and, uh, see, I think I blogged this as well. I can actually, uh, let you hear it. So the, um, the setting of this, uh, video game is in Georgia. Russia has, you know, the ultra nationalist, uh, as they, as they call them, the ultra nationalist is building up forces. It's 2008. By the by, the way, the trailer is from 2002. Um, well, actually, just listen to it. Oh, you'd be even better. Here we go. It's only a couple. It's only like a minute. The year 15. is 2008, and the world teeters on the brink of war. Radical ultra nationalists have seized power in Moscow. Their goal: the reestablishment. Belarus, Kazakhstan. One by one, the nearby independent republics slip back into the Russian orbit. Russian tanks sit in Caucasus Mountains and the Balkan forests, poised to strike to the south and east. The world holds its breath and waits. For one small group of elite soldiers, the war has already begun. U.S. Special Forces Group 5, 1st Battalion, D Company. Deployed on peacekeeping duty to the Republic of Georgia in the Caucasus. This so that's kind of what I wanted to... I don't know if you could hear that at all, but anyway... Yeah, so. no, it could. You know, they, they, of course, they just have to swap out the Special Forces for Blackwater, which, would, by the way, would be <laughs> a great name for a game. Blackwater? I'm sure I'm sure they, they have it or they're going to make it. <laughs> so around the office, by the way, around San Francisco, uh, there's these little uh, posters that have been stapled all over the place uh, for a protest that I think is going to take place next week, unless it took place already, around the uh, Ubisoft, which is in the area around that's South the, that's the company. Francisco. That's the company that makes Ghost Recon is Ubisoft. Yeah, well, Ubisoft also has a game they make for the army that you can download, uh-huh. and the protesters are saying that the idea is of this game is to get is to pre- 12 pre- and 13-year-old kids. Exactly. 
Yeah, 12 and 13 year old kids, because the game is free. You can download it from the army. Uh, to, my, I was talking to my son about it. The game is free, and apparently, you know, it's easy, you can see it. So it reminds me a little bit like The Last Starfighter, which is a movie where, you know, some kid's playing a video game, and it turns out that the game is a training vehicle for interstellar war. And, uh, once you beat the game, you're like, you're solicited to join the forces. Uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Well, that's- maybe Ubisoft is a front for somebody. I don't know. Well, you know, so if you if you go look at all these ties, I mean, I haven't looked at Ubisoft, but okay, so this this is very interesting that indeed the exact thing that happened, U.S. Special Delta Forces, call them security consultants, if you will, um, you know, they're, they're in there, in Georgia, they attack, uh, it literally says Ossetia in the Caucasus. I mean, the whole thing is there. It even says 2008. Now, look at Tom Clancy's connections. Have you ever looked at who he's related to? I always thought he was a shoe salesman. Oh, man. Oh, you're going to love this. He is... I'm just looking it up because I looked it up the other day. But Well, you're looking that up, by the way. Anyone out there wants to go, you go to truesoldiergame.com, and you can find the download and information about this army game. It's called True Soldiers Game. Plural. TrueSoldiersGame.com. I'm uh I'm still looking for this. I think his wife's father is like a bigwig at the was the organization for the, the organization for economic development, you know, the OECD or whatever that horrible. Oh yeah, right. I think you know that's it's like OED. I think. No, no, it's like OECD. Hmm. Oh, maybe. But you know, there's interesting, interesting ties there. Oh, let's see. Oh, this, when you if you do Tom Clancy uh, OECD, you get a lot of good Google hits. Anyway, French businessman joins Ubisoft board. Hmm. French businessman joins Ubisoft board. Outgoing director Yvette Guillemot makes way for incoming Mark Fiorentino, a specialist in business markets and banking. <laughs> so Ubisoft is really? a French game publisher, even though they're in are they public? South Park. Are they are they public? I'm not seeing that they are yet. Hmm. Don't know. We'll look into it. See yeah, who's on their board. Could be an interesting tie. But so really, so when is this uh, this demonstra Is it a demonstration or what is it? Well, I guess it was over. Maybe let's see. Oh, I'm looking it? at this. Uh... Shit, man, we could have been keynote speakers. <laughs> you could have. <laughs> Anti-war group protests Ubisoft and America's Army, which is the game. Uh, Anti-war group targets. Let's see if there's anything going on here. You can find it. Just type in U- Ubisoft Army and you get... Uh, uh, it, it warrants some further investigation. Yeah, we'll look into it. Wow, you haven't called me crackpot once so far, John. I, the, the show doesn't feel like it's over yet. I, you haven't gone. I, well, you know, you yeah... I'm, well, fr- I'm, fr- I'm frighteningly good. Came. <laughs> you know, Clint, Clinton, there's a lot there, man. Oh, and by the way, for people the- out there li- listening to us, uh, eavesdropping, uh, I probably didn't call him crackpot today because after having dinner with him, now I realize what it, it he, he's actually, this is mild. <laughs> <laughs> you have no uh, idea. Uh, no, nah, yeah. <laughs> well, that thing that we talked about at dinner, I think it's happening next Saturday, so, um, Oh, okay, let, let, let that be a tease for uh, some cool nutter theory coming up. Yeah, it'll definitely be nutter. <laughs>
All right, so uh, well, can't wait to see uh, what happens uh, in this week as everything unfolds. I think we've given you, uh, you listeners out there, some good info. And by the way, if you enjoy listening to this show, tell a friend. Hey, that's funny because I was going to suggest the same thing. People should make one other person listen to this show. Yeah. You know, yeah, we have, we've done no marketing for this show. We've got, <laughs> you know, something like 30,000 listeners or 40 maybe. But we need 100. So let's get some people to listen. Because yeah. it's a good show. It's it's entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a good yin to the yang that's out there. If that makes any sense. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> and remember, we are all united under Gitmo Nation. Coming to you from the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. And in Northern California, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.